Hello, heart, soul humans. This is Zach, and I'm coming to you with our second installment of the relationship series that I'm putting together for you guys right now. So last week, we covered the foundational aspect of what a relationship is, or rather a relationship as a malleable construct, and the idea that you can build a relationship based off of you and your partner's needs, and it can be whatever you want it to be. And whatever people tell you about what your relationship needs to be is not necessarily true. You can build it in a healthy way as a team. So today's episode, we'll talk about the foundation of healthy relationship. And that foundation is truth. So in order to talk about truth, we need to talk about what truth is and truth versus falsehood, because it's always easier to understand things when we have some level of contrast with them. So by definition, or at least by the definition that I like to use, truth is that which is true, was true, and will always be true. It's kind of hard to describe because it goes beyond time, but we can we can kind of wrap our minds around it a little bit more easily when we think about what falsehood is. Falsehood is, by definition, the absence of truth, and it is finite. If truth is infinite and falsehood is the absence of truth, then falsehood is finite which means that anything that is not true has an expiration date. Now, what does that mean for us in relationship? Now, what that means for us in relationship, be it friendship, family, or partnership, like I said in the last episode, I'm using relationships very broadly as a term. What this means for our relationships is that any lie that we tell or any aspect of our relationship that is out of integrity, or another way of saying that is any aspect of a relationship that is out of alignment to truth, will come to the surface eventually. And I'm sure everybody who's listening, including myself talking, has had the experience of either telling a lie, be it a white lie, or a not white lie in a relationship, or a, a lie by omission being that we say that we're okay with something that we're not okay with, and we know that we're not okay with it at the time, but we just figure that we can ignore it. Or our partner makes some assumption about us, or our friend makes some assumption about us, and we don't really take the time to correct them because, oh, well, it might be uncomfortable to correct them. Or I kind of like the idea of living in this fantasy of whatever this assumption about me might be. It might be something that makes you feel empowered, but it's false. And you're omitting the truth by not saying something. Now, all of us who have experienced that, and it's probably all of us, unless somebody out there is a straight up saint uh, or a goody two shoes, (laughs) unless you decide, um, we've all experienced that. And we know that there's only one ending to it. We either run away and break the relationship so that there's no need to tell the truth or the truth comes bubbling up, whether we like it 
or not. We will either feel some cloying discomfort, this guilt at omitting the truth or lying outright, or and that guilt will cause us to tell the truth or to run, or the truth will come up eventually because lying stains the soul. And those of us who have any sensitivity to the whispers and at times the shouts of our soul will eventually uh, give our hand away. If we don't tell the truth outright, our partner or our friend or our family will begin to see that something's off and they will become suspicious and they will inquire and they will eventually find what the truth actually is. And for some reason, we've been indoctrinated in some ways to be fearful of the truth. The truth is vulnerable and we're scared of it, but there's nothing to be scared of. And I'll tell you why. Truth only eradicates that which is not true. You can think of it like a really strong gale force wind and it begins to blow away everything that is not truthful. And I really like this analogy that uh, Paul Selig's guides give. And it's the wind analogy, but what they talk about is these masks that we wear, or rather uh, this clothing that we wear. The clothing is not who we are, but we wear it in adornment. And the winds kick up and we try and hold on to the shirt, to the pants, to the purse or the backpack. And eventually everything gets ripped away until you are standing naked in the wind and the wind doesn't blow you away because you are in truth. And that's essentially what happens here. The truth will blow away all falsehood, which has many benefits like leading us to a better relationship, generally speaking. But we are so scared that if we tell the truth that no one will love us or that our relationship will fall apart. And what I'm here to tell you is that, yeah, that may be the case. <laughs> I know that isn't not what people want to hear, but the truth can end relationships, but it doesn't end the relationships that are meant to last. And here's why. If something is truly fundamentally wrong with a relationship, be it a friendship or a partnership, that will have to come to the surface. And that is exactly what truth will do. And if something really is truly cracked all the way down to the core, then it will eventually fall apart because falsehood has an expiration date. All that truth is doing or the intentional utilization of truth is doing is speeding up the process of that falling apart and actually making it less painful when we do it intentionally because it's empowering. We're taking the reins and we know what's happening. We're being in truth and we have the benefit of knowing that we're bringing integrity to our relationships. And it hurts both us and the other person far less when we bring honesty to bear on a relationship. If the falsehood that exists in your relationship is something superficial, like Oh, my boyfriend told me, asked me if I liked the shirt that he was wearing when we went out. And I said, yes, but actually I, I think no, or 
you know, I fake orgasms or something like that. You know, those things are fairly superficial. And I mean, they, they can be significations of a deeper problem, but um, just kind of on the surface level, they're, they're fairly superficial things and they can be remedied. You know, somebody who is really meant to be with you in an honest relationship will be like, oh, you actually didn't like that shirt. Oh, well, that's kind of silly. I wish you had told me or like, oh, that's a bummer. Like I went out wearing that shirt and I look like an idiot the whole night, but it's fine. Or, oh, you've been faking orgasms in the bedroom. Okay. That, that hurts. That fucking sucks. But what can I do to pleasure you better? What can I do to be a better partner in the bedroom for you? And you'll notice from these analogies that I'm giving, vulnerable as they might be, uncomfortable as they might be, is that you'll notice they stimulate conversation. There was a problem, and now it is being talked about. Now it is being discussed. And that kind of leads me to my next point here, which is falsehood creates separation. It creates walls. It... For example, if you have a secret, you have to stow it away behind a wall or behind a box, you know, whatever figurative um, segmentation you want to use. If you are lying, you have to keep that a secret and that drives a wall or a wedge into your relationship. But to be honest creates closeness, creates unity. And this is kind of a derivation of the fundamental truth that we are all of the same thing. So when we are being honest, when we're being truthful, we are closer to that truth that all things are the same, which brings us into unity. And that might be fairly abstract, but you'll notice that any time you've been in your life that you've been hiding something from your partner and you eventually have a conversation about it and you get it off your chest, you both feel this rush of endorphins and this alleviation and this sense of closeness. I've worked with so many people who have had really, you know, they've been scared to say something to their partner and they go and they have this really tough conversation with them. And then they'll be like, oh my God, then we had the best sex of our lives afterwards. It's like, well, yeah, because you have this emotional intimacy, you feel closer, you feel safer with one another. There's not some lingering presence in the room of discomfort, distrust. You can feel more free to open more fully to each other in the face of this trust. So essentially what I'm saying here is that if a relationship is built on falsehood, it's built on separation and eventually that will come to the surface and either drive you apart or be remedied and bring you closer together. And I'll kind of get back to that in a second. So that's what happens if a relationship is started on falsehood. If a relationship is built on truth, let's talk about the benefits of what that is. If you're being fully truthful about what you believe, about who you are, about what your boundaries are and what you deserve, then you will only attract you that which works for you, right? You're not compromising. You're not lying to somebody in order to get them to like you, in order to get them to be attracted to you, in order to get them to fall in love with an idea of you. But it's not really love if it's an idea of you. It's not really love if they don't know who you are. So when you are completely honest, completely truthful, about who you are and honesty being um, an expression of truth, really like a verbal or nonverbal expression of truth. When we're honest about who we are, 
we attract to us that which we deserve, that which we need and that which we want, truly what we want. Now, if we have a relationship that's built on falsehood or that is built on some falsehoods, right? Like I said earlier, it can drive the relationship apart, but there's also a remedy to this. There's a remedy to falsehood. And you might be getting it already. The remedy to falsehood is truth. Now, as intimate or vulnerable as this analogy might be, we're going to go back to a partner feigning pleasure or faking an orgasm in the bedroom. If you are a partner or your partner is faking orgasms, let's just take you as the example, right? Because it's probably a little bit more comfortable to think about you being the one um, feigning the pleasure and protecting somebody else's feelings, right? If you are feigning pleasure in the bedroom and you're not talking about it, you're not being honest, right? You're feigning pleasure. You're being in some ways a little deceitful, even if it's what you perceive of as a white lie to protect this other person's feelings. You might be protecting them in the moment from feeling like they're not doing a good job or they're not sexy or they're not good enough or they're not insert insecurity enough. You might be protecting them in that moment, but in actuality, you're not being satisfied. You're not having your needs met in a relationship. And if this continues to happen day after day, week after week, month after month, however long you can go with this, you will start to build resentment and you'll start to blame this other person for something that you haven't even been honest with them about. Why can't they notice that I'm not enjoying myself? Right. And there's some level of responsibility there, obviously, like they should be able to kind of kind of tell what's not authentic and what is, but we're getting angry at somebody when we're the ones who are lying. When instead, if afterwards we just have a conversation about our pleasure and our needs and what is working in the bedroom, what is not working in the bedroom, then we can really quickly figure this out and remedy the problem and have better sex, have great sex, have emotional intimacy, because we've demonstrated back and forth that we have the type of communication and the type of trust in each other to have tough conversations. It builds trust. It builds intimacy. And in timeline A, you go months, maybe even years, not being satisfied by your partner building resentment. And eventually you have to tell them <laughs> that you're not enjoying yourself. And then they'll think, well, fuck for years, this has been happening for years versus timeline B where you have this conversation, maybe a few weeks into the relationship or a month into the relationship or two months into the relationship. And very quickly, I mean, one, they'll probably understand like, okay, yeah, I get why you didn't bring that to me the first time we had sex. I get it. You know, um, there's a whole lot of factors that play into that. And B, you guys get to work on this together very early in the relationship. So in timeline A, you had years of shitty sex. <laughs> timeline B, you had two months of shitty sex and then years of mind-blowing, intimate, um, intimate connection, you know? So this is just kind of one example that um, is probably a little bit more relatable than some like random argument that I could make up on the spot <laughs> for the sake of this episode. Um, it's something very physical and it's something that a lot of people kind of joke about in our society. They'll joke about not having orgasms rather than just 
having a conversation about not having orgasms and like having better sex. It's so mind blowing to me. I really don't understand it. But anyway, <laughs> so that's a quick example of how falsehood can be remedied with honesty. And you might be getting from this, like that that's really uncomfortable um, or that it can be really uncomfortable because it's very vulnerable and it calls forth a lot of people's insecurities. Obviously, because insecurities are built on falsehood, right? It's built on a belief that we are not good enough when in fact we all are. So the last little bit that I want to talk about before we close this up is how to be honest. There is a way to be tactful in our honesty. And this kind of comes from avoiding making statements that sound objective. So an example of this could be, um, an example of this could be, you're so disrespectful to me. You don't respect me. That's a very objective statement and it lays blame on the person and it doesn't give them any room to really have a conversation. The only thing that they can do at that point is to defend themselves because you're making a statement about their character. You're making a statement about their intentions and about their actions. A better way to say that would be to say, when you do this, I feel like you don't respect me. When you do this, I feel disrespected, which is actually more true because in fact, that person might not have been trying to disrespect you. They might not have even realized that what they were doing was in a way perceived by you as a lack of respect. And I kind of talked about this a little bit in the last episode, the idea of different expectations and different ideas in a relationship. What somebody perceives as disrespectful is based off of their worldview, is based off of how they were raised, is based off of the experiences they've had. So somebody might do something like, I don't know, leave the cupboard open or uh, not wash the dishes and leave them in the sink. And you think like, oh, this is so disrespectful to me. I went through the process of cooking dinner. The least you could do was clean the dishes. They might've had every intention of cleaning the dishes. They just didn't do it right away. So you think that they're being disrespectful. They think that they're just, I don't know, they don't think anything about it, right? So having this conversation, I feel disrespected or I don't feel respected when you do this is actually more honest because it speaks to the truth of the, of the scenario, which is you are feeling a certain way. They're not being or doing a certain thing. You're feeling a certain way about what has happened, right? So honesty comes from a place of subjectivity. Really, it does. Everything that we experience is in some ways subjective. So our experience of our relationship and our experience of our partner is also subjective. And so what we communicate to them has to have, or doesn't have, doesn't have to, but it often works far better when we have some acknowledgement of the fact that our view of our partner's actions, our view of our partner's intentions, and our assumption about those intentions is a subjective experience. And I want to make a quick like asterisk or caveat here and say that honesty doesn't mean that you say everything that comes to your mind. It doesn't mean that you say mean things, right? you know, this is a process of learning how to communicate. I remember when I committed to being honest in my relationships 
at first I thought that that just meant that I said everything that I thought to my partner. Um, or not everything that I thought, but if we were having an argument, I would say like things that I, that were, I guess, kind of uh, mean or came from a place of vitriol. It was like, actually I don't really have any examples um, offhand, but I would speak my emotions as if they were a fact about my partner rather than finding the truth that underlied those those honesties, right? Or those, um, what I perceived as honesties, the truth that underlied those feelings. Um, an example of this might be saying to your partner, like, you are so selfish, right? That could be what you feel like is honest in that moment. But what underlies that feeling of, oh, you're so selfish is actually, I feel neglected. I don't feel like you're giving as much attention and energy to this relationship as you used to. And the truth of this is that I fear that because of this, you will leave me. The fear is abandonment. What you thought was them being selfish is actually you having a fear of abandonment. And you can just say that to somebody as vulnerable as it might be. You're not, but it actually works better. You're not blaming them. You're not making them wrong. You're giving them an opportunity to lean into the relationship instead of calling them selfish and pushing them away and creating more of what you were afraid of. You just let them know. I feel like you're not as invested in this relationship as you used to be. And I'm scared that that means you'll leave. Simple, honest, and frankly, effective. Because if the person is actually thinking about leaving, now you get to have a conversation about what's going on in the relationship. You don't have to wonder anymore and have this anxiety, this anxiety that in fact is oftentimes worse than the reality. And if that is not the case, if the person just happens to be distracted by work, distracted by something happening in their family, um, or for all you know, just had a week of shitty sleep, you know, or just didn't eat well all week and doesn't have the nutrients and is feeling a little lethargic and irritable. They can just tell you like, oh, like, babe, I'm so sorry. I didn't even realize that I was feeling a bit detached. I guess I just feel tired from work or I just got a few nights of shitty sleep. And you know me, you know how big of a brat I am about sleep, right? They can talk to you and set you at peace, reassure you. So I think I talked for about 20 plus minutes here when I meant to talk for about 10 to 15, uh, as always. So I wanted to kind of tie a bow on that and just kind of talk really quickly about how we can effectively be honest, which is to just say, to get to the core of whatever it is that we think we want to say to our partner, to find the emotional truth that underlies it, and then to speak that bravely and vulnerably. And you'll notice that many times throughout this brief episode, I, uh, you know, I, I kind of came with some harsh truths, which is that like sometimes telling the truth ends things, but, you know, I, like, I really wish I could say like, oh, telling the truth just like sprays a magical rainbow on everything and just fixes everything. Um, and in a sense it does fix everything. Um, it just maybe doesn't do exactly what you want it to do, right? What you think you want might not be what you need, right? And what you need is to be fully in integrity with yourself, fully in your sovereignty, 
fully dependent or fully independent in yourself and your own authority, not codependent on anybody else or on anybody's validation. And from that place, you can have strong, healthy partnerships, right? Partnerships, not codependencies. Um, so I wish I could just say that like, oh, we can all just snap our fingers and make everything this like smiley, happy utopia. But in fact, relationships are work. Honesty just gives us the best chance to make the healthiest, strongest relationships that we can. So, you know, this might be challenging. This might be uncomfortable to hear, but I hope you feel the resonance. I hope you find something about this empowering, enlightening, and motivating for you to bring more of this into your own relationships or into your single life and creating relationships. So as always, guys, I'm here for you. If you have any more questions, reach out to me. And really, if you have um, <laughs> you know, questions that are very specific to your situation, reach out to me and talk to me about getting into this program. And I will work with you one-on-one month after month and help you with using your own life as an analogy for these different things to implement these other principles that I'll be talking about throughout the course of November and maybe even a little bit into December. I'm here for you guys. Honestly, I really am. So that being said, thank you so much for listening. Thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast, for supporting me and Neil. Um, We are so effing grateful for you guys. Truly. We really are. Um, And with all of that being said, we love you. Good night.